We're here with another very special edition of Rare Talk Podcast. I'm here with a great person. He is a physician. He is a Muslim reformer. He's a human rights activist, and he is a proud American. Wakas Khan, how are you? Pretty good. Thank you very much, Anomaly, for having me over here. Absolutely. I'm very honored. I met him at Politicon, and it was at a Ben Shapiro event, and everybody was asking questions. And I have to be honest, I want to say like 28 out of 30 questions were terrible. People were just kind of on their grandstand, uh, you know, not really making very good points. And then he came up, we spoke afterwards, so, you know, spoke further, met at a coffee shop, just hung out. And he's got a really brilliant perspective, really smart guy, very common sense driven, and has great perspective on uh, other countries as well. So maybe you could tell a little bit about your story. Oh, thank you very much. First of all, I feel really flattered by this uh, amazing introduction. Uh, so I think uh, maybe it's a little bit overrated, but anyway, I'll take it. You know? <laughs> this, I, no, it's the real deal. I mean, I meet a lot of people. There's a lot of good people, but you're definitely on point. You know, you definitely get get everything. So uh, I'm glad to have you. Thanks once again. And so my name is Wakas Khan, and I'm a physician by profession. And uh, I just want to put it out there, like whatever I'm, whatever I'm going to say over here is uh, uh, by practicing my uh, right of freedom of speech and uh, um, and as a political commentator and American citizen, so I'm not practicing medicine over here. So whatever I say, please don't take it as a medical advice. Okay? No lawsuits. Honestly, just listen, <laughs> because the people who would come at you are, are the people who probably need to hear what you're saying the most. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. So once I've already put this disclaimer out there, so uh, I'm going to start uh, talking first of all about myself. So uh, name is Wakas Khan. Um, so I know first name uh, may not be that common, but uh, uh, last name Khan, uh, you guys must have uh, heard, seems like a pretty common name, especially from uh, that part of the world where I am from. Uh, I'm originally from uh, Pakistan. I was born and raised over there. Um, and uh, some of you uh, may know Pakistan as uh, uh, part of India before 1947, but later on it uh, got separated and be became uh, its own country uh, in 1947. Uh, and uh, so I was born in Lahore. That is the second largest city in Pakistan. And uh, I uh, graduated from a medical school uh, over there, King Arab Medical University. Uh, it's the second best uh, univers uh, medical university in Pakistan. And uh, uh, then I uh, uh, came to US in 2006, right after uh, one year gra uh, of graduation. Uh, in 2006, I started uh, my residency at uh, Harlem Hospital in New York. Uh, I did that uh, for three years. That's where I met uh, my wife. Uh, she's an oncologist, a cancer and blood disorder specialist. Uh, and she's originally from uh, Philippines. Uh, and um, so we met over there and then uh, we moved to uh, Southern California for some time and then we moved to Illinois for some time for her job. And now we are back again because somehow I feel like my heart uh, lies here in California and I love the weather, I love the people. Uh, so I've been all over uh, US, East Coast, uh, Midwest and West Coast. Uh, so I really feel that uh, uh, I have kind of ha have a taste of uh, all uh, sort of regions of, uh, of US. Absolutely. And some people might actually recognize him. He had a, a video go viral on the World Cloud page. I believe it was talking about free speech and just, uh, you know, American stuff. So, you know, on top of being a physician, on top of being uh, an immigrant from Pakistan, you're a very proud and outspoken American with a perspective that I think a lot of people need to hear. Um, it's common but unique in a way so you know maybe you could say a little bit about that so i really feel uh, very proud of uh, being who i am that is uh, a pakistani american i am very proud of my uh, ethnicity i'm very proud of my religion 
But the thing is, like, when you become an American and when you say your pledge and your allegiance to the American flag, uh, that should be your topmost priority. And after that, everything else becomes secondary. And I'm not saying in a way of downgrading uh, your other uh, associations or affiliations, but I'm just saying that uh, when you become an American, you have to keep the American interests at the top. So um, as an uh, immigrant, you need to make sure that uh, whenever it's a conversation about American interests, then American interests uh, supersede uh, any other uh, conversation, any other dialogue, or any other perspective. Uh, and I talk about things like that, and that have really uh, uh, made me receive a lot of backlash and criticism from, especially from my own community, uh, but they, I have also received a lot of support from my own community as well. But these are very controversial uh, topics, and I don't understand that just uh, coming out and saying yourself as a proud patriotic American, why is it so hard, and why people take it as, um, if you call yourself as a true patriotic uh, American, then all of a sudden somehow you're hating the country or disliking the country where you're coming from. So Absolutely. by no means I mean that. So, but uh, it, it has taken me such a hard time to make people understand this simple point. It is strange. I know growing up I felt like people were, you know, maybe perhaps ignoring a lot of things in the world and in the country and all you had was patriotism and you had, you know, strong religion in the United States and it's almost like everything kind of went backwards. Now it's like if you're a person of faith and you love God and you love this country, you're like a racist, sexist, xenophobic person, where it's, it's so strange to me that things have flipped so quickly. Yes, and, um, and surprisingly, this notion of uh, American hatred is coming from those people who have been born and raised in this country. Mm. And those people who have, like myself, who have immigrated from other countries of the world, they realize like how much blessed we are to be over here. Mm. And it's very uh, heartbreaking to see that people who are born and raised and uh, have benefited from uh, the rights that have been given to them by this country, the, uh, the tremendous resources, um, and so many other um, positive points and advantages that this country has given to them, they somehow uh, totally negate them and they only look at the negative perspective. And then uh, they go as far as like 200, 300 years in the past just to prove, <laughs> prove their point and narrative. So I call it like a like a time machine, you know. Like, and then <laughs> I mean, and, and, and nothing against uh, like liberals. I mean, I also identify myself as a classical liberal, but I've just kind of coined this term as the liberal time machine. So every time you talk <laughs> to them, they ride into this time machine and go wow. back 300 years, all, uh, or as far in the past as possible, to just to uh, make their point. And then you have to play the music of Back to the Future <laughs> in the background to make, come, make them come back to the future and tell them this is 2017 and we're going into 2018. Let's talk about what's happening now. That's so true. And uh, it's interesting you say that because I find the people that call privilege, oh, you're white privilege, you're American privilege. It's always American born and raised people who are so privileged to be American that mm -hmm. they're negating their own privilege by calling everyone else privilege. And it's like they don't realize that their perspective has been molded by the privileges mm -hmm. that they don't are either aware of because they keep talking about them or they're unaware of because it's like the hypocrisy. And like you said, with the time machine, it's so strange to me because certain parts of history they, they go to like three parts of history they leave out the red like thousands of years of history they leave mm -hmm. out you know hundreds of years of history they leave out what happened last year they mm -hmm. leave out 10 years ago mm -hmm. they leave out the present moment which is the most important moment mm -hmm. so 
Uh, nothing about that does make sense, and I, I feel what you said on that. So on that note, I want to talk about um, Pakistan real quick. You said you're from there, and also they have some some blasphemy laws there as well. And you know, what do you see the differences from there and here when it comes to free speech, and why is it so important to you? So I think America is what America is because of the freedom of speech. If we end up losing this extremely important component of our constitution and our society, uh, we will just fall apart. We will just crumble. And um, I'm from Pakistan, and again, I have to mention it over and over again so that people um, don't call me somehow self-hater, you know, or a person who just hates his own people or his own country or, con or, uh, or community yeah, you society. Yeah, I mean, you love your religion and you have, you know, you have love for it. It's just And I have absolutely tremendous love for Pakistan, and that, that is the reason I'm concerned about uh, what Pakistan is going through right now. And that's, uh, and the, uh, whatever I'm going to say right now is out of that love, that concern. Uh, and uh, basically the thing is, uh, I'm not sure if too many people are familiar uh, with this Pakistani blasphemy law, but uh, it's in, in the constitution of Pakistan that if someone is uh, guilty of uh, committing a blasphemy, which is uh, saying anything that is offensive uh, or anything that could be uh, disrespecting towards our prophet, Prophet Muhammad, which I respect tremendously because uh, I believe in him as the last prophet, and and then uh, or something that can be more, can be perceived as to be offensive or disrespectful to, towards Islam, Absolutely. then that person can be uh, can be executed by the state. I mean, this is the harshest wow. punishment that the state can give. I mean, it, you can uh, be jailed for that, but uh, if you uh, have committed uh, a really severe form of blasphemy, then you can be even executed by the state. The interesting part is that so far, no person has been executed by the state because anyone who commits blasphemy or has just an allegation or accusation of blasphemy has been unfortunately killed, murdered, lynched by uh, common people who call themselves like uh, self-proclaimed vigilantes and mm. uh, they uh, proclaim that they are somehow doing the work of God and uh, they end up uh, killing those uh, a lot of time innocent people because uh, because the, the accusation has not been even proven yet so so I would call them innocent and uh, and this basically reflects the mindset of the society like when mm. you make a law like that in which you put uh, extreme restriction on somebody's speech and you don't even give them a chance to explain themselves then the society does not wait for the word for the verdict to come out. They take the law in their own hand and they uh, execute it. Uh, and the thing is, like even if the society does not take the law in their in their own hand, the state already has that law. So sooner or later, somebody is gonna uh, do something like that. And there's a recent um, uh, per person who uh, has been, I I believe he's still in prison, who posted something blasphemous on Facebook. Okay. And and just because of that, now he is in prison, and his life has changed forever. Because even if he gets exonerated, uh, and uh, all the charges are uh, gonna be taken away from him, and he, but if he's gonna be released into this free society, those uh, vigilantes who are looking f to earn paradise, uh, they're gonna end up killing him, and there's no way this guy can, can survive the way he is. Man, that's it's wild because it's you know uh, us personally you know we show love we don't disrespect um, mm -hmm. but you know freedom of speech in that way is so valuable that it should be okay and it's definitely a linchpin uh, cornerstone in American society mm -hmm. is the that's why it's the First Amendment is the freedom of speech um, so in what ways do you see that mirrored here obviously we're not 
you know, lynching or killing people. We're not jailing people quite yet, but I, I've heard in the UK they're starting to jail people because of hate speech. Here you have a recently, I believe, a porn star uh, committed suicide because she was just getting mobbed by a bunch of people for mm-hmm. saying she didn't want to do a scene mm-hmm. with some with a guy who has gay sex. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'm, it's it's a personal preference at that point, but mm-hmm. there seems to be a lot of pressure. I don't want to hint that we're going in the direction that Pakistan is fully gone, but do you see similarities to the United States? So unfortunately, I really see this is uh, happening in the uh, United States, uh, especially in the past election. Uh, so uh, in the past election, what I have really noticed that uh, people who uh, don't agree with certain points and then uh, who are very passionate about uh, certain topics, they don't want to argue anymore. They just want to label uh, their opponent uh, with a slur, okay, sexist, racist, xenophobic, Islamophobic, and all those phobias that they have, and, uh, and to put it in one sentence, just like what Hillary Clinton said, like the basket of deplorables, and then they don't only stop there. Uh, there, are, uh, there are several videos uh, on the social media in which you can see that people are getting uh, hit, they are getting uh, violently ab- abused by uh, their other political opponents just because of the fact that they do not agree with them politically or on other issues. So this is kind of, uh, I'm not saying as bad as uh, uh, Pakistan yet, Yeah. but it is kind of moving in that direction. Absolutely. And, and unfortunately, this is mainly coming from the left that uh, anytime you, uh, and, and the left is supposed to be uh, free thinkers, because like liberalism means like free speech, free thought, free thinking. So they uh, are the ones who are just basically shutting down the conversation by labeling their opponents as uh, these slurs. And then after that, if that doesn't work, then they uh, become violent. And and I think this is a very, a very uh, big concern because uh, I myself can tell you from my experience that I was at a uh, at a at a political uh, political booth and I was. Uh, uh, talking about uh, uh, the Republican policies and the uh, in the past election the, and, and about the Republican uh, point of views and the people just took so much offense of that that they in the end ended up vandalizing uh, our stall and uh, I was uh, uh, at a very credible threat of uh, uh, getting physically uh, harmed and the police had to escort me out and this is not by some white supremacists or some neo-Nazi, that was mainly the people of my own community, of my own race, you know. So yeah. th- that was something that I was uh, really shocked to see, that uh, somehow we have kind of brought that culture of intolerance from that part of the world all the way here. And we were talking about it earlier, but I, I find it very ironic, too, when it comes to the left and, you know, the activists and whatnot, we've almost kind of mirrored... Um, that of Pakistan, not in severity yet, but in, you know, they, people will be blasphemous against Christmas and, and Christianity, which is fine. Freedom of speech, you know, say as you want, but it's almost like they won't touch um, Islam and they won't touch other parts of the world. And me personally, I don't criticize any religion. You know, I, you know, I say certain things, have certain ideas, but, um, you know, I'm very loving. I think as long as it makes you a good person, I have respect for the religions of the world and the billions of people that practice them, so mm-hmm. you'll never hear it from me. But it seems like the left is 100% anti-American, mm-hmm. 100% anti-American uh, values and freedom of speech and, you know, um, l- smaller government mm-hmm. and, like, libertarian and, 
Christianity, but when it comes to, you know, the Middle East and, and certain areas and policies and blasphemy laws, they're completely silent. So the irony and the hypocrisy is just un, unbearable. Exactly. This is liberal hypocrisy. And again, let's make it clear. Hashtag, ha hashtag not all liberals, okay? Because like totally. this is extremely important. They're going to say, oh, you just mentioned 100%. You just mentioned all of them. Like no, he says, he's not. a Muslim reformer. We're liberal reformers as well. Like we're true liberals at heart. We don't do it out of the hate. It's kind of like a come on, guys, because all of these things we're supposed to care about, it's almost like the modern day liberals are doing exactly the opposite. So we're trying to reform And them. it has really <laughs> led to a liberal exodus. You know, I, I was myself... Uh, uh, part of the left and uh, I supported uh, uh, President Obama in the past two elections and I probably called myself as a liberal but then later on I realized like the left is not the left they are supposed to be anymore and uh, they are gone extremely far left and uh, radical so for uh, for that reason I started searching and realizing that okay uh, the people on the right are actually kind of m moving towards the center now. They they also had some uh, very extreme and radical views before, but they are kind of uh, s uh, slowly leaving them behind, and they are now s somehow becoming the torchbearer of the freedom of speech, of freedom of, of expression. And uh, and uh, I still call myself as a classical liberal, which is now becoming a conservative position. It's, uh, it's Absolutely. To, it's to defend your, uh, your freedom of speech and freedom of, of expression. So to come to your point in regards to uh, making fun of Christmas or making fun of uh, Jesus Christ or uh, versus make, uh, even just talking about Islam in a critical way or uh, about our prophet, uh, yes, I mean, we see clear double standards. And, uh, and I am not here to promote like, okay, yeah, come on, you know, start making fun of my religion or start making fun of my prophet. No, I would definitely not encourage everybody to do that. But if someone ends up doing it, I would not... Uh, reply or respond by becoming a going violent. Absolutely. I would I would respond the way I believe my prophet would respond uh, with tolerance. You know, absolutely by forgiving by by forgiveness. But unfortunately, the way um, we see as from the blasphemy law uh, and as from a lot of other incidents that we've seen in the past, Charlie Hebdo, and then. Uh, it happened in Dallas over here mm. when there was a draw Prophet Muhammad contest, which I don't agree with. But then yeah. again, people came over here with the intention of killing other people just because they drew something that would offend them. So, uh, so my uh, challenge is to all the liberals, especially the the comedians, and then the this Hollywood elite. Uh, like Ben Affleck, Batman on steroids, who defended uh, our, uh, Islam and he religion. called it a race too, right? He called him racist. It's not a, it's a religion. <laughs> it's not a race. It's yeah, a religion, we are very yeah. diverse. So that you was kind of ignorant. And you need to understand, like, it's an ideology, and the Muslim community is extremely diverse because we constitute around maybe roughly one fourth of the or one fifth to or one fourth of a planet, and uh, we are extremely diverse uh, when it comes to. Uh, the I, the thinking and the ideology itself, the race, yeah. and then um, uh, some uh, people will be extremely strongly adherent to some ideas, and some will be nominally adherent to that. So just to put it in a nutshell, we are extremely diverse community. So please do not paint us with the same brush. Uh, so uh, so like what I'm uh, saying over here, and my point of view could be extremely different from even from my brother, even from my sister. Absolutely. What to speak of somebody who is living in Philippines, you know. So, uh, shocker, newsflash, we're all individuals and we're not, we're not our race, religions, and genders. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just like with the, 
left wants to put us in, you know. So like, you're not a true Muslim if you're not doing exactly what we are supposed to tell you. Anyway, so uh, so my challenge to uh, this Hollywood elite and then these uh, liberal comedians is like, you make fun of each and everything, okay? Have you ever tried giving a shot to Islam and uh, the Prophet? You would dare not do that because you know that you will be putting yourself at a very credible threat of getting physically harmed and even killed by saying anything offensive. Uh, but on the other hand, you do that with other religions and, uh, and with almost no consequences. So I think uh, those people who call themselves as liberals need to come out and say that we should hold everybody with the same standards. We should not be having different standards for different people. And this is like, uh, I think the term which Majid Nawaz, who's another liberal reformist, and uh, I agree with him on many points, and I totally disagree with him on many points, since again, we are two individuals. Um, he coined this term, uh, or maybe somebody else in the past, but he uses very frequently, is the, is the bigotry of the least expectations, that you uh, hold one community to one standard and you hold the other community to a lower standard because you think that they are uh, different uh, or they should be held differently because of their race, color, gender, skin, and all, all this stuff. So, uh, uh, and, any, and any of these uh, A-lister, uh, Ben Affleck, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, will they be willing to play as Prophet Muhammad in any of the movie? <laughs> I'd, I can bet you a thousand percent that no way. So, mm. and, and again, I'm not inviting them to disrespect our prophet, but I'm just saying that if our prophet is a historical figure, okay, I, if I respect him, it does not mean somebody else is gonna do the same. He can read about him and ha have a totally, completely different point of view. Just like uh, we have a different point of view, but like uh, for in regards to Jesus, we respect uh, Jesus and we consider him as a prophet and we really respect him, but, uh, but people, it could be having extremely different point of views about Jesus, about Prophet Muhammad, about uh, Prophet Moses, or whoever they want. And to. it's okay to you. And it's okay. Yeah. And you can talk to them. You can try to have a conversation with them, but you just cannot go and violently and physically harm them. So this is the whole point of view. Understandable. And on that note, I want to ask you about the right, because what I find from the right is, mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of people that are new age and they're becoming less extreme. But mm -hmm. when it comes to the Muslim religion, there are still a lot of people who are very worried. Mm -hmm. They're scared. They mm -hmm. don't want to trust any Muslim. They think the whole religion is bad. Mm -hmm. You know, um, what do you say to those people? Because I think it's someone like you that will, um, as opposed to someone screaming and fighting and punching people, mm -hmm. I think it's it's common sense and, and, and stuff like that that will kind of bridge the gap and, and let them mm -hmm. see your perspective. So what, what do you think it is about about the religion of Islam? Do you think it's a lot of people have their own interpretations? Mm -hmm. Some people take it, in your opinion, too far. Uh, yeah, let me know what you think about that and how there are a lot of people on the right who want to condemn everyone who is Muslim. So uh, what I've noticed so far is that uh, on, the, uh, on the left, there's a huge notion uh, of uh, denial that there's any problem uh, with the Muslim community or Absolutely. with the interpretation of the religion. And they just think like, okay, it's a fringe minority and um, an overwhelming majority of the people are extremely peaceful, which is right to some extent, but it's not just a fringe minority. We have a significant proportion of people in our community who are uh, extreme and radical and they have changed our perception. 
and we really need to work very hard to change that perception and on the other hand on the right there are people who like you mentioned they just totally uh, criticize the entire community and entire religion to its uh, extreme uh, thinking like there's no way that um, uh, the Muslims uh, can integrate and can be uh, can, can get rid, uh, can purge themselves from the violent interpretation so that which is not true as well um, and uh, obviously we need to adopt a medium uh, ground and uh, we need to uh, have a conversation and again the only way to do that is to have a conversation the good thing that I've noticed so far on the right is like the right wants to have a conversation they want to have a dialogue and I have done that personally with so many people and the moment they hear that there's a uh, Muslim who uh, identifies himself as an American first and who identifies himself as a, a patriot and he puts American interests first and then he's as concerned about American safety uh, and, the, uh, and the safety of the American people uh, as we are so immediately their uh, concerns they kind of uh, mellow down and then they start uh, getting more candid with you. And, totally. and as you uh, continue with the conversation, they realize like, oh, he, they, these people are just like us. I mean, we uh, were having just uh, some misconceptions about them. But on the other, on the other hand, if you start talking to the left and, and telling them and confronting them, no, it's not all good, okay? There is some major problem going on. And I cannot call a cancer a flu, okay? Cancer should be treated as a cancer. It cannot be treated as a small, minor ailment. Mm. Then immediately they start calling you as Islamophobe, and they won't even notice like if the person they're talking to is a Muslim himself, and he's a practicing Muslim. They, they, they just don't want to have a conversation. They would just shut you down, and then they would say, oh, then you're not a true Muslim. Okay, then you're a self-hating Muslim. Then you're like... Uh, all those things they can come up with, but having an honest conversation. And that's that's really what people are missing. I've seen it at Ben Shapiro protests and whatnot. Is mm -hmm. the most ineffective thing you can do. The worst thing you can do is what the media is doing. Is what the protesters are doing. Screaming names at somebody instead of having a conversation. If somebody on the right, I feel, is being too ignorant towards a religion or too ignorant towards a viewpoint, I can beat them in a debate. I could have a conversation mm -hmm. and we could duke it out. Uh, the, the fact that the left wants to literally shut down people's speech, it, it's interesting. You know, someone that practices the religion like you and, you know, s someone like me that's very open-minded and I don't like ignorance. I see negativity. I do see hate on both sides. You can have a conversation with the right. And even if they might not agree with you, you can get through. They're looking for facts. They're looking for a conversation. Mm -hmm. The modern day left has come to the point where they don't they just don't want to hear it so to me you know while the the news paints all right and yes there are fringe groups that are very very ignorant the most um, the real like danger is the not having a conversation because like you said it's it's the problem that the left doesn't want to talk about in it for the the good of Muslim people as well you know there was a big attack in Egypt mm -hmm. at a Muslim mosque mm -hmm. so it's it's Muslim people that are affected mm -hmm. by this as well mm -hmm. so it's a conversation that everyone of all religions and you know political backgrounds need to have for the sake of all people it's not a white american thing it's a it's a global issue it's absolutely a global issue and by not confronting it and by not helping people like me and so many other Muslim reformists, they are doing a disservice to Muslim community because this is a major, major problem. It could have been a small growth or small abnormal tumor, but now it has become a stage four tumor that has metastasized into the healthy body of the Muslim community. And now 
you have to take it extremely seriously. Otherwise, uh, it's gonna uh, basically uh, we are pushing ourselves to our dem own demise. And uh, uh, and and tell me, how come it's not a problem, and how come it's not a global phenomenon, and how come it's just a fringe minority? I mean, it's spread all the way from Philippines to U.S. and uh, a Muslim living in Philippines has absolutely nothing common with me when it comes to his uh, culture, you know, his mm -hmm. country, his food or uh, other stuff, mm -hmm. or his clothing or his dressing, other than just having, believing in the same religion, okay? Mm -hmm. So you see that wherever, and, and again, I'm not saying like all Muslims, okay, so hashtag not all Muslims. <laughs> I have to mention that again because like left has only this one argument. Oh, you just said 100% and all people. No, I'm one of them. So I'm not going to be saying like I'm also part of that. So, so, but like people in Philippines, the ISIS has infiltrated in Philippines. Mm -hmm. I, uh, ISIS has infiltrated uh, in Iraq, in Libya, in Syria, in Pakistan, Afghanistan. Uh, so they have similar groups in Somalia, in, uh, uh, in um, uh, Nigeria, Boko Haram, you know, so uh, and then uh, you see Europe having uh, so many deadly terrorist attacks, and then in the U.S. we have experience. So this is a global phenomenon, and it is basically coming from this, un unfortunately, from this violent ideology. And that, that violent ideology can be summarized into just few points, and which is basically they want uh, to have... Uh, a global caliphate, okay, that's one thing they want, uh, it's like a supremacist ideology and it, they somehow trace it back to uh, some of the hadiths which uh, like the sayings of the prophet and which are have not been substantiated, they are, a, a lot of time those sayings are, um, were collected like maybe 200 even centuries after he passed away and it's more of a hearsay and they... So it's know, not the original, like, it's not from the original text? It's, it's not really from the Quran. I mean, in, in Quran, you you can find some other um, violent verses just like uh, any other holy scripture in the past. But at that time, uh, those uh, verses have their own context. And you can uh, at least say that, okay, since that context does not apply now, the circumstances are different, so they're not applicable. But um, with the Hadith, the problem is like, there are so many of those Hadith out there, and people uh, have so much different interpretation I mean, they have a different interpretation of the quran but uh, for hadith is like things make even really get blown out of proportion so so that's uh, one uh, i uh, think that that they want they want like uh, a complete world domination kind of uh, ideology which we see in any other supremacist ideology and then the other uh, thing that we have is uh, uh, any uh, blasphemer who criticizes islam or who criticizes the prophet but in any way that uh, he should uh, receive a death penalty and then those people uh, like homosexuals they treat them very badly so they have uh, you see at almost 10 to 12 muslim countries having death penalty for homosexuals okay mm. and then you see women are treated extremely badly okay and then you see uh, very harsh capital punishments leading from chopping off hands stoning to death and then uh, also uh, beheading all the, that stuff which they want to implement in such sort of, uh, of uh, uh, caliphate and then uh, they also uh, want to uh, uh, have a death penalty for apostates so if a Muslim born and raised Muslim wants to leave his religion they just don't want to let him leave that uh, silently they just want to actually execute that and these the few points which I just told you yeah. are implemented in different Muslim countries to different proportion how much, how, like, what percentage, if you could guess, of 
Muslims in America or Muslims worldwide total mm -hmm. think that those things are appropriate? So it's a very difficult and controversial question uh, to answer because the thing is like if I start throwing some stats, which I'm not saying that they are 100% um, authentic or have been substantiated. Yeah, just a rough guess. We're, we're so not let statisticians. Me let, let me give you an example. Okay. Uh, so Pakistan is the second largest Muslim country. Okay. It has almost 200 million people. Mm. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. So it's, big. It's, a, it's the seventh largest or sixth largest country in the world. Okay. So now the people uh, over there, they believe in the blasphemy law, like overwhelming majority, almost like to some, according to some uh, polls, like um, 60 to 70 percent people. And then not only that, they also believe in those other points that I just discussed about like the, the, the harshest version of the Sharia law. Okay. Mm. And uh, this is just Pakistan. And then and Pakistan is one of the more moderate countries compared to Saudi Arabia and Iran, which are like the Vatican of the Sunni and uh, uh, Shia mm. households. Okay, so now these two uh, countries, like uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran, which are supposed to be the Vatican of the Sunni and Shia uh, sects, they believe in almost like overwhelming majority in those countries believe in almost all of those points and i know people in those countries can't uh speak out because i've had like uh, you know a woman contact me and then i asked her about mm -hmm. the, just the leader and she was like i can't even say that via mm -hmm. facebook message like she couldn't yep. tell me how she truly felt so you know there if there are people there that disagree with it they're not very vocal as, as you were saying earlier exactly and so we, they have almost 30 million people in saudi arabia okay they have almost 100 million people in iran okay so 200 million in pakistan 100 in Iran and 30. So are we talk, roughly talking about like more than 330 million people? And you can say, okay, if almost 70% or to 60% believe in those. We, we are talking about hundreds of millions of people who yeah. kind of adhere to some points, some, some of these extremist points. Absolutely. So, so that's why these uh, organizations like Al Qaeda, Al Taliban, or ISIS, these organizations when they keep on popping up, they just don't pop up out of nowhere. They pop up because they have a, uh, they have like a following which is uh, uh, staying dormant, but the moment people and uh, are living on the edge, and the moment people cross the edge or cross that line, across the threshold, they end up joining them. But you say that somehow uh, it's only the fringe minority who ends up joining and actually lifting mm. up arms. No, it's the huge support, the sympathizers, those people who kind of. Uh, agree on that ideology that, and, that is, and that's why the recruitment recruitment is never ending and the recruitment is not only coming from those countries the recruitment is coming from all over the world people even from australia tried to join the people i people mean the from uk US, and from US. uk from yeah. sweden i mean name you, you can name any european country and almost from uh, now you need a computer now really and to be mad at the the U.S. And, and that's why it, the irony of, mm -hmm. you know, the left, like, yes, the U.S. has done a lot of bad things. Yes, mm -hmm. there are other countries. They messed up. Uh, I mean, a lot of people who support the president mm -hmm. now, they're talking about all that stuff. Um, but they don't t they never tell the full story. So even nonetheless, like, yeah, OK, you can criticize the U.S. That's great. We, you know, we can agree the mm -hmm. military did that wrong, did that mm -hmm. wrong. But this pro this issue is very, very real. And if they won't talk about it at all, mm -hmm. it kind of ruins any argument they really have because it's it's a full um, story they're not talking about. And the, the f if you don't like this country and you're really mad at this country, um, you know, there's you have more of a chance of 
maybe um, sympathizing with these terror organizations. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying to not be critical, but mm -hmm. there's a huge overlap of like mm -hmm. the extremist left and the extremists in the um, you know Muslim world. So uh, and unfortunately, that's kind of a true statement because uh, if you keep on feeding this anti-American and um, America-hating narrative all the time, like somehow it's America's fault that uh, the Muslim world is in such crisis the way it is, then obviously more and more people are gonna start hating America, even though they were born and raised over here. Absolutely. And, and uh, or they have immigrated over here from other countries and still they have not been able to integrate, assimilate and love this country the way a lot of other immigrants love. So uh, the thing is uh, we need to make them uh, realize that it's not only the Iraq war that some, or the Afghanistan war that somehow just uh, opened up this Pandora's box and then all of a sudden all the Muslim extremists came out of there. Uh, the, these countries have these extreme laws on their own. America, UK or Israel or India, they are not telling these countries to have such sort of uh, extreme laws. They are and not telling them to have such mm -hmm. sort of adherence to this sort of a very radical and violent ideology. Uh, the American invasion had, has definitely made things worse, uh, but it has not initiated or started the whole problem and a lot of these religious wars between religions and interreligions have been going on for thousands of years mm -hmm. so f i mean since the beginning of time that's why i find it ironic that people pick a certain point mm -hmm. place all the blame and it's like we all have some growing to do because we've been fighting since we've got mm -hmm. here wherever we came from <laughs> yeah but you also need to look at that like um, so islam uh, out of all these three abrahamic religions is the new newest so you can say it's like the the spoiled youngest child, you know. Mm. Uh, but the other two elder brothers, like Judaism and Christianity, has already gone through that same uh, process of reformation. Absolutely, they had committed all sort of the, these atrocities in the past, but they have already gotten up this uh, gotten this wake up call that we need to purge ourselves uh, of this uh, uh, extreme, violent, radical um, ideology and thinking. And uh, yeah. and look at them now. I mean, they have really flourished, and they have done. Uh, they have made tremendous uh, progress. And 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 we talk when we talk about the Western values. The Western values are not, I believe, truly like the Christian values or or the, uh, or the Judaism values. They're basically about the freedom of speech, the freedom of basic human rights, the civil rights, having control of your own borders, and and national security and economic uh, uh, boom and capitalism, which can help the everybody contributing to the free society and free market. So these are basically the Western values. Uh, and any society can adopt them and they, they can flourish. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you saying all this. This whole talk, I think, is going to help both sides of the debate mm -hmm. because you kind of shatter the paradigm of both sides and make both sides listen. I want to ask one question for the, uh, the critics you know, the extreme critics, because I get a lot on my channel as well, and I'm very mm -hmm. kind. I have a lot of Muslim supporters, mm -hmm. uh, you know, some who live in Michigan and say thank you, and mm -hmm. you know, like, thank you for sticking up for us, but at the same time, keeping it real. Mm -hmm. What do you say to people that are freaking out about, uh, you know, they want to bring Sharia law here, mm -hmm. and any Muslim who says something to me, they're lying because that's in the Muslim text. Mm -hmm. What do you say to those people who are, who are very concerned about that? So I think the Sharia law thing, in America at least, is a little overblown. I mean, totally. there are people in the Muslim community who do want to bring Sharia law wherever they are. Yeah. So they obviously do want to bring that here too. 
but uh, there's like uh, I would say like the overwhelming majority of the Muslims living in America they don't want that they are they have kind of, kind of escaped from those <laughs> sort of so they don't want to bring the same thing over here but um, on the other hand to say like oh the, such sort of people do not exist at all in our community that's also wrong so like they do but not to that extent I like but, that about you too before I let you finish the second part of the question you you know you beat it with facts you beat it with with truth as opposed to like lying and ignoring it and i think that makes it's gonna make a lot more people respect you understand what you're saying is true and uh, when people fight that they kind of have the reverse effect they're trying to fight it but they grow what they're trying to stop because they don't face the issue so thank you for you know keeping it 100. Oh, you're most welcome and then uh, if we are really concerned about that then maybe we need to do more polls in in muslim community and see uh, what our opinion is about but again this poll itself can be very controversial because um, it will include uh, asking questions that uh, can be perceived in a very uh, wrong way and then you have to put the question in the right in the right way there's one poll that i have uh, looked into and it's by um, center for security policy i think uh, that's the name of the organization so that poll is not very authentic and then uh, the people who have conducted that, they have some sort of uh, bias as well. But according to that poll, roughly around 20 to 25% of Muslims living in America, they want some sort of uh, Sharia law and they want to live under that. But again, this is not an authentic poll, Yeah. but we do not have too many polls out there to say that. So Polls I, are tough because it's like you ask 500 people and then mm -hmm. you assume that the whole community yeah. feels that way. Yep. But what we need to do as a Muslim community is to tell uh, so in Muslim community unfortunately what I've seen is that uh, they are somehow again lining uh, aligning with the left and this rhetoric that America is such a racist bigoted uh, and anti-islamic or Islamophobic country and uh, uh, Muslims are gonna be sooner or later persecuted under especially this administration you know and which I find like totally totally absurd and out of proportion and uh, uh, on the other hand, if you really want to improve your uh, reputation uh, genuinely, then we need to teach our kids, our generation, that we have more rights over here in this country than we could have ever imagined having in the countries from where we have come from. Mm. And uh, uh, yes, there are people who are uh, who absolutely hate Muslims, and I call them uh, anti-Muslim bigots rather than Islamophobes, because Islamophobia or Islamophobe is a term that is basically coined to create confusion is basically coined to create uh, uh, is, is basically uh, created to shut down the conversation so anybody yeah. who even starts talking about like right now people can label us as islamophobe and then shut down the conversation and, and yeah. then that's it they're they're very happy with they'll that, have trouble with us though because honestly we we've never we haven't disrespected the religion you practice the religion i've never once in my life disrespected it mm -hmm. it's a personal choice and opinion mm -hmm. so you know i think i think we do a good job i'm sure someone could say it but uh, a lot of people, and I find that's where the right is kind of making a mistake, is they're so aggressive at that mm -hmm. um, that they don't realize what they're doing. And I have a, a friend with a Muslim family that lives in L.A. that I met, and he was like, mm -hmm. the left scares me. He's like, because if they continue and this problem gets worse, mm -hmm. it's going to be a real right-wing extremist who wins in 10 years mm -hmm. because now the problem's, and that's going to be the solution or the, mm -hmm. the wrong solution. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, may, maybe at that point there mm -hmm. might be cancer or something. So it's like the left is kind of scaring a lot of people. My, you know, <laughs> It's like if you don't address the problem and you act like it doesn't exist and you ruin everything, mm -hmm. then you might get what you 
we're crying about so, like a real right-wing extremist so so first of all it's not only the right-wing extremist if you've seen this guy uh in portland who was basically bernie sanders supporter oh yeah that who was, harassed muslim women and ended up yeah. killing two other fellow americans and a jill stein supporter and then she used she said it was trump's america even exactly. though it's her supporter who killed someone i've lost all respect for her at that point yeah it was her supporter and it's it's her america in which it's happening so so a lot of anti-America agenda too. C- combine that with you know being super anti-Muslim, and this guy probably listened to a lot of Bernie Sanders and CNN. Mm-hmm. He thought the whole the whole world was melting. So, but the thing is, yes, I mean, someone who actually uh, hates Muslims and our religion, which uh, I truly believe that people are like that over here, and there are a lot of hate crimes which are being committed against the Muslims. The way to counter that is uh, absolutely denounce and con- condemn these uh, people who uh, hate our religion and our community as a whole. But on the other hand, we need to also uh, proactively denounce the extremists and the radicals, and not only the extremists and the radicals, but also the extreme extremists and the radical ideology in mm. our own community. And that's honestly how you stop the right wing, too. You want to stop the extremist right wing, do it by reforming the community, keeping it real, mm-hmm. and the right will respect that, and then they'll have no argument. If you continue to label anyone who has a critique as mm-hmm. this thing, they're actually simultaneously making the problem within mm-hmm. the Muslim community worse mm-hmm. and making the right wing more powerful and more extreme. So th- it's like, that's why we, I go so hard at the left. I feel like a left reformer. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you guys are making everything worse. And, and the things <laughs> so, you hate the most, you're kind of giving power to. So it's like if, uh, uh, so I'm a physician, and I'm gonna give you an analogy. Um, from medicine. So if a patient comes to me and I diagnose him as cancer and I tell that patient, okay, you know, you need to really uh, get yourself treated sooner than later, otherwise this thing is going to get worse and the chances of survival will be minimal. And on the other hand, that person goes to another doctor who is, who knows like if he ends up telling that patient that, that the diagnosis is cancer and it's really horrible, but he's gonna get offended because of that, and then he may not even see me. So all I need to do is basically keep on asking that patient to come to me, and I keep I'll keep on telling him, oh, there's nothing wrong, everything will be fine. And it keeps getting worse. And it keeps getting worse. And it, it's a it's a good analogy. So so the left to me seems to be that incompetent, ignorant <laughs> physician who's yeah. practicing uh, gross negligence and may end up causing ultimately the death of the patient compared to a physician. A thousand percent. Because, I mean, they're they're not telling the full story about anything. When Mm -hmm. Even border security, like, I wasn't a big fan of, you know, okay, build the wall, this and that. But then, you know, the the counter argument, Mm -hmm. there, like, was no argument. So it's like, all right, at at a certain point, you're going to need to counter it. Mm -hmm. You can't just be outraged. The Mm -hmm. outrage is fine, but Mm -hmm. you've got to have a solution. And uh, I want to move on to healthcare, but I want to ask you because mm-hmm. I'm trying to get all the topics that people that I consistently see in my comment section that mm-hmm. I'm not Muslim myself, so mm-hmm. I can't answer. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it seems to be the biggest critique. It's the one they say there's a part of it that says, "Oh, you can lie if it helps forward the religion or something." Mm-hmm. That's what the, they say. Mm-hmm. What do you? What is that? And what, so, what, so that yeah. term is called takia. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, a lot of time, people are using it against our own community, saying like, "Okay, a lot of uh, Muslims who pretend to be." peaceful and sincere. Um, they may not be because this is, they're just using takia, lying, deception. So I think the way, the best way to judge someone's, um, some, uh, someone's behavior is to check, is to look at his actions rather than just words. If that person is just saying one thing and doing exactly the opposite thing, then uh, he, that person is not reliable. And if I'm saying that I truly 
love this country and I love his people and I want everything best for the country and the people, then also look at my action. You know? So I am supporting anyone who is for national uh, security, so strong national security. And mm -hmm. I don't care if that ends up uh, having a de decrease in the influx of uh, people uh, temporarily from those countries where uh, the Muslims are in majority. Because I also understand at the same time that those countries have, uh, unfortunately, um, they, they are failed states, and then the chances of the wrong person infiltrating from those countries into America is much higher compared to mm -hmm. other countries. And uh, and then the uh, same thing goes with the immigration. I want strong immigration so that uh, the drugs and the crime uh, and uh, the illegal weapons from anywhere, you know, it's not only just from one specific country or from one specific region, but from anywhere cannot pour into our country. Mm. So this is the way you usually judge someone if that person is really sincere with the, uh, with the country and with the people and with the society or not. And um, one last thing I want to uh, touch quickly with this yeah. Muslim ban thing and then, yeah, then that uh, refugees issue. This, this was not a Muslim ban at all. This is such an absurd lie which has been propagated by the media and, and media will, will discuss separately like how they have lost their credibility. But anyway, so, so I, uh, I was out there, like out of, I was out of the country when the second version of the uh, travel ban came, you know, yeah. and I was able to come in easily. Okay, <laughs> my friends who kept on saying it's a Muslim ban, it's a Muslim ban, flew out of the U.S. at the same time and came back uh, peacefully, easily, without any. And they even, uh, one of them even said, like, that has, this has been one of the smoothest transitions <laughs> I ever experienced. Like, nobody ever interviewed And I was like, well, don't you think the Muslim ban is in, in full swing? <laughs> so, so, like, when you, when such sort of things coming out uh, of, uh, of a Muslim, okay, of an American Muslim, like, oh, my God, this is a Muslim ban. Uh, okay, I don't agree with the first version, the way it was implemented. Yeah. Okay, but uh, uh, I, I was kind of a critic of that. Like, okay, it should not be like that uh, without any notice, without any, um, mm. uh, uh, without uh, informing people and then all of a sudden catching them out of, uh, out, uh, like totally off guard. So, but the second version was much more organized and uh, and it was and but still the left kept on calling it a muslim man a muslim man i mean 90 percent of the muslims can easily come in and out of america as they please and uh, it's only the 10 percent in those countries and it's not only the muslims it's like no person of any ethnicity of any religion cannot come from those countries temporarily well it, yeah it's a big media branding you know they could brand anything and they lied but also i read that the aclu who mm -hmm. has been blocking it every mm -hmm. single time mm -hmm. they admitted in court that if hillary clinton would have passed it uh -huh. they wouldn't have blocked it mm -hmm. their problem with it is because trump's rhetoric on the campaign mm -hmm. which was probably not um the best way to put it mm -hmm. but the, it's, it's the whole problem with our fake society we care more about words mm -hmm. than actions and we're mm -hmm. willing to stop something that we know yep. might not be a bad idea just because mm -hmm. he said something wrong so it's like the aclu kind of lost my respect there i know they do some great work but if you if you're admitting in court that you'd block <laughs> you're blocking it because trump did it but you mm -hmm. wouldn't block it if someone else did it. it's like who's the phony uh so, so and I do not agree with his statement, which he issued. And I've been a very staunch critic of his statement. And uh, but I got the message which he was trying to uh, convey. He didn't convey it in the right way, but uh, seems like he does that with a lot of things. It's like he he makes people mad with his words, 
but mm-hmm. then because he's not a politician because that's yeah. the thing i mean we do not want a puppet politician who looks cool who smiles who dances who can dunk the ball and later on do all <laughs> the crap in the world that you can imagine i want someone who is upfront and tells me how he feels about me okay yeah and then i can deal with that person much easily rather than a backstabber and honestly it's like i feel like trump would love you because you know it's like if you th- this is the thing with a lot of people that are very nationalistic if you show love to them same with me they always say oh, you're the only liberal i listen to it's like I, liberal is a term i don't think i'm that liberal <laughs> per se but it's like mm-hmm. i get the freedom of the, of the first two amendments mm-hmm. i get their concerns mm-hmm. they're completely right about the media they're completely right about the left and you show them that as a muslim or as a liberal or as a whoever mm-hmm. they'll probably love you more than the left will so <laughs> uh so i spent five years in midwest okay mm-hmm. and the town where i was living in illinois it's a it's a funny name it's called effingham you know so e w f i g h a m so yeah e w f i n g h a m it's a it's a very small extremely conservative town okay and uh, we received tremendous love before we even uh, like started supporting um, the conservative movement or the republican party over there or came out as uh, trump supporters and then once we uh, uh showed them like we really agree with what you guys are uh agreeing with the love just grew i mean it never the religion the ethnicity the color the status and of even political views they didn't really care before, they never cared even political even, views, even like, before they never cared yeah. they, they, they never cared if i oops it's all good then they never cared who i supported before or what i believe in they have always been extremely nice polite tolerant and loving and caring people and uh, uh and then uh, i i used to uh, uh i got invited into so many of their um events and uh, and they even gave me the opportunity to speak over there and then when i got my um my citizenship which i got after almost 11 years of uh, uh 11 years after i moved to us they celebrated it with a small party you know so so i'm just saying like just to say like somehow the right is racist and bigoted and is this such a huge nonsense mm. that is being spread on the left and also by the media that uh, you you really um uh, start believing the people more you know absolutely. than the media because the media has absolutely lost the credibility totally uh let's move on to healthcare cuz we could go I, i think that's a good really answering a lot of questions mm-hmm. you know crit- critiques and also mis misinformation mm-hmm. out there um healthcare as a physician and once again we'll put out the disclaimer you know don't don't get <laughs> upset with him he's just you know giving his thoughts and his expertise and mm-hmm. his perspective which you know if you disagree with it mm-hmm. um you know uh, just have a conversation make your own video you know get in the health field yourself start a business you know you don't have to exactly. tear other people down but you know what do you think about the current state of healthcare mm-hmm. what do you think about obamacare and the affordable care act and mm-hmm. what do you think about this universal healthcare that mm-hmm. the progressives and the left leaning mm-hmm. uh, bernie supporters are so adamant about okay so first of all i again want to put this thing out that uh, i supported uh, president obama in the past 2 years okay mm-hmm. so um but uh, obama and i'm a critic of obama care but um, i'm not really saying like this is all crap and we just should totally rip it off it's altogether. definitely helps some people i'm sure 
I mean, it, it is definitely helping, but I think there are better ways to fix the healthcare system. The problem with American healthcare system right now is that it has all the potential to be the best in across the globe, but there are so many extra players in our system, which include the pharmaceutical companies. I mean, they have more leverage than they're supposed to, then insurance companies, which are almost running the whole show, then the administration, which are totally business-oriented, they do not uh, uh, have ever touched a patient or talked to a patient or a family, and they have no medical experience, they only have business experience. Then the government is also intruding a lot, uh, and then our friends, uh, the lawyers. I mean, these people are just making things a lot worse than helping out. So if you leave most of the healthcare to the physicians and to the patients, things can change for good dr dramatically. But and what would that be like policy-wise? Would it be more universal Bernie Sanders healthcare? Or would it be no. more like Rand Paul free market healthcare? It's exactly. It will be f more of free market. And I can uh, give you an example for that. So uh, the way we should have our healthcare, um, is we sh uh, our healthcare insurance, it should be something like we do with our cars. So when you go uh, and fill up a, uh, and you want to fill up your gas and you want to change your tires, change your oil, um, or change the brakes, you do not call your insurance company at that time. You do not beg, plead them, okay, where can I get it done? How can I get it done? And for how much? And what's the copay? You just go and search around and get the best deal out of the market. And, and for that reason, the prices are staying on the lower side. But somehow, if there's an extra player, like an insurance company, a third party comes in and says, like, everything needs to go through me, then they are the ones who are basically controlling the prices. And that's why the prices are so jacked up. And the hospital administration, they don't mind prices going up because they're making profits. The insurance companies, they don't mind making, uh, going, uh, making the prices go up because they make profit. Pharmaceutical companies, they don't mind. Lawyers, they don't mind. And politicians don't and mind. politicians don't mind. they're probably Ex on the payroll. And the people who suffer the most are the American people. And the physicians have been kind of defamed by... Uh, somehow saying like we make a lot and um, we charge a lot. There's hardly anything that is in our control. We have all lost almost all the autonomy and uh, what uh, what the other players tell us to do, we almost do that, you know. And, when and physicians deserve to make a good, I mean, you know, they, they help people's lives every single day as opposed to like a leech industry that's making trillions of dollars off people's <laughs> backs, you know, it's like... Yeah, there's a reason that the, the wages so are higher for such that's a totally different job. discussion like uh, uh, what is the what should be the salary of a physician depending on the experience and the, it's, and the I'm just saying it shouldn't discredit you when exactly. you're when you're talking about billions absolutely. of dollars being extorted via absolutely pharmacy. and then if I ask you that hey I've saved your life uh, how much you want to pay me for that <laughs> <laughs> so you'll say even if I bring the whole the wealth of the whole world still it's not enough so that's exactly the point. You so can he wants all your money, no, no. all your savings. No, just like, <laughs> no, no, empty out the bank account. Right? You wouldn't even be here now. So, <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, you cannot really determine the, uh, the, the salary of a physician just by that. The only way it can be determined is through free market. You know? So if you can find a better physician who can do a better job and um, uh, in a better price, you should go to him, you know. So and it's so weird to me that people are so like they don't believe in the free market. We've we've never had a real free market probably in our lifetime. It's, no. So people think no. it's not. Oh, it doesn't so, work because it's been like a predatory so if you, capitalism. If you go to a physician right now and ask him, OK, how much is it going to cost for you to see me? OK, he'll be like, uh, I don't know, a 
because it all depends on what sort of insurance you have. I have to call them and beg them, plead them. They're running the show. And they're running the show. So it should be so easy. I mean, you if, if you go to a freaking barber or a masseuse, he can tell you how much he's going to charge you for a half an hour appointment <laughs> for shaving, for That's fixing your eyebrow. But and, you don't know. You're like, I literally don't know. Exactly. It's so so if you allow the primary care physician uh, to, or like the uh, outpatient care to be run on free market, the prices will, automatic, uh, will automatically drastically come down and the uh, standard will maintain itself because it will be a competition. No physician wants to put a bad uh, reputation with his name. Okay, so he'll be delivering the best care with the best price. And, uh, but if you get sick, if you have a catastrophic event, like cancer is a catastrophic event. If you have cancer, if you get severely sick uh, and you end up going to the hospital, at that time your insurance should kick in. And then depending on what sort of insurance you have, I think still it should be like insurance should not uh, cover all the time, hundred percent. But it, it's it's your um, it, again. It will create a free market for the insurance companies at that time. So you get the insurance which is the cheapest and covers the most. So then it can cover either seventy percent, eighty percent, ninety percent, and you can pick and choose. So uh, the problem with the Obamacare is like Obamacare has given tremendous amount of leverage to insurance companies, and then uh, they kept on uh, putting more taxes on the medical devices, excuse me, and um, other uh, players in there. So all the data is just j kept on jacking up the prices. Uh, like you tax, you're taxing us? Okay, no problem. We will jack up the price and we will still make up our profits. Uh, the problem with the universal healthcare is that, uh, so this is- uh, Ber Bernie Sanders, are you listening? <laughs> oh my I mean, God. This guy, again, I don't want to be disrespectful uh, but he absolutely has no idea about the healthcare system. And but he says it works in Netherlands and Switzerland and Canada. And then have you look at the size of those countries? They are like uh, maybe one-tenth of California <laughs> or not even the United States. Okay. So when you talk about these, uh, uh, these countries uh, and when you talk about a certain population, when we talk about America, we are talking about the third largest country in the world. Okay, After China, India, it's us. And if you add on sick people to your population. It does not increase the expenditures of healthcare just by how many folds your population is. It, it increases the healthcare expenditures exponentially. So if we are like uh, 10 people in a room and one person gets sick, so uh, then the rest of the nine can take care of him. But if the second person gets sick, it does not mean the healthcare expenditure is gonna be double. It can be even four times because mm -hmm. we don't know how bad the second person is, you know, how, how severe his, his problem is. And then if uh, three or four people get sick, again, it does not mean the ex healthcare expenditures go four times or five times. They can grow so, uh, they can uh, grow uh, um, uh, ex ex exorbitantly in an exp exponential way that even the rest of the 10 people may not be able to take care of those, uh, uh, those sick people. So the same thing uh, is with the uh, United States healthcare right now. If you implement the universal healthcare in the United, in United States and according to Bernie Sanders' plan, it's gonna, I don't know, cost how many trillions of dollars and you take away all the money from all the billionaires and the millionaires and the one person <laughs> that he keeps on talking about. So not only you're getting rid of all the job creators, you're just sponsoring his nonsense program 
for maybe few months or years and what are you going to do after that yeah nothing i mean and then these countries like uh, uk and uh, other european countries they are actually dictating you how to get the health and canada how to dictate the health uh, how to get the health care where to get it from when can you get it yeah, and go they government's bad so let's give the whole health industry directly to the government it's yes, like one exactly. one one fits all approach that sounds <laughs> sounds like it's going to work Ex exactly that's the typical uh, Bernie Sanders and the progressive point. point I would love view. to have you debate because that's I watch some progressive people like half the times they're spot mm -hmm. on and half the times I don't agree with them. Uh, I've, I've offered to debate somebody mm -hmm. and they, they texted me and told me to go F myself. So <laughs> I, I blocked them on Twitter. I don't need those vibes in my life. So it's like I'm, I'm open to debate and I'm sure you, you would love to have a conversation with someone. But I find that they don't they like shy away from that because i think one honest conversation no i can tell you right now what they're thinking yeah right now they're thinking oh this guy hates the poor people this guy hates the his patients you know yeah. this guy doesn't want them to be healthy you know and all that nonsense and and i'm telling you from uh, my perspective after working in this industry for almost a decade and then also thinking at the same time like if i am a patient what would i want for myself and what, what if my family becomes a patient and it just takes a moment to become a patient from a doctor. Uh, you you can, God forbid, can get hit by a car, you just can get diagnosed of a very bad disease tomorrow or something. So I'm saying from that perspective, I'm being, I'm totally uh, empathetic towards what uh, they are saying and then, uh, and I still want the best care and I also want to maintain the standard. So in universal healthcare, the standard is extremely bad and you will be hearing those people oh we uh, got this procedure done without any problem and it costs us nothing and we are very happy about that the thing is like you have not applied that system in the united states where we are talking about the third largest country and then then why we see so many canadians we see so many other people coming from the world for uh, a good uh, healthcare uh, and like especially for the specialties so if you want to get a very good uh, cancer care, if you want to get some advanced uh, car uh, cardiothoracic surgery or, uh, or, or a neurosurgery, you always look at the United States because with competition, you have innovation mm. and you have research, you have pro progress, you have development. But once you uh, just de-incentivize everybody, like, okay, this is your fixed salary, this is your fixed uh, uh, in, uh, there's your fixed everything fixed hours and fixed salary yeah. so you're basically telling people oh we, uh, uh, we we just basically need robots we don't need people who are going to be coming up with ingenu ingenuity we're going to with innovation with more development so mm. that this is another reason that uh, the universal healthcare is not uh, that much uh, helpful and it's uh, a good point cuz I, I think america we were built on innovation we've we've had so many mm -hmm. medical breakthroughs um, inventions you know when it comes to planes this and that i mean to take away the free market and to take away competition you're ruining everything i, I think tell me that you think this is a proper analysis it's like having food the reason we have such good food mm -hmm. is because there's so many different ethnicities and so many different styles of food mm -hmm. and so many different restaurants and imagine if they were like let's just have one restaurant everyone eats it's <laughs> gonna feed all the poor people so you know if you if you hate poor people you don't want this but it's like you're not going to get the best food if it's one government run it's going to mm -hmm. be like prison food so mm -hmm. you know do you think that's accurate to the health industry i mean absolutely right i mean it's a very good analogy and uh, uh so basically i think 
it, those people who argue like, oh, it's because you hate the poor people. No, 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 it's not us. It's actually you hate the people because you don't want them to get the best care. You don't want them to get the best deal out of their money. Mm. And, uh, and when these countries like Denmark has the, um, has the highest tax rate, okay, and it does not really come out of only the one person and the millionaires and the billionaires, it comes out of the middle class. It works, it comes out of every person who pays taxes, okay? And if you're gonna give that many taxes to the government, which no one in America wants to do, I won't say no one, but classic Americans don't wanna do, at least have a government mm -hmm. that's trustworthy. You're talking about Bernie Sanders, who talked two, 200 plus million dollars from people, saying he was gonna fight the establishment, mm -hmm. basically kowtow to the DNC, who everybody knows, even that supports Bernie Sanders, they're one of the most corrupt organizations in the country. <laughs> and then he goes on tour with Tom Perez, the leader of the DNC. He's protecting the mainstream mm -hmm. media and basically like shielding all their corruption. Yeah. That's the guy you want to give more than half of your taxes to? The guy who's not even trying to fight the corruption anymore? Exactly. It's, it's I mean, he needs to really prove himself before we even start giving him money. The he already the, took my money and my time. <laughs> He's not taking any more. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really sorry for that. And I know it's not going to come back. So. It's all good. We got the Bernie Sanders trap anthem. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, you know. <laughs> it's, not, it's not all lo losses. There's some gains, too. <laughs> okay, cool. So, again, I believe you're making that money out of free market, right? It was free market, yeah. <laughs> not he, socialism. He could have that money, Bernie. He could take Otherwise, take every rapper will be getting the same amount of money, right? Regardless how good or bad their well, song that, is. Huh? That's the irony of that. I was doing thousands of hours of work for Bernie Sanders. I was trying to help this guy so much. I, I basically didn't even have a job like the amount of time and mm -hmm. digital strategy because that's my profession too tens of thousands of dollars worth of work i gave mm -hmm. to this guy and people did not want me to have a single penny they wanted me to be broke like bernie sanders supporters they were like oh he's posting his own post he's i'm like read what the post says i'm, I'm helping bernie sanders you know it's like <laughs> i'm taking my time oh you're just trying to promote yourself i'm like i'm do i'm helping you know what I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying it so mm -hmm. If someone else says it, I'll share their post. So it's like mm -hmm. they were the um, community, the libertarians and conservatives mm -hmm. and I guess nicer liberals. Mm -hmm. There's there's so much more generous and so much more kind. They don't like mm -hmm. attack me at all. The Bernie supporters were way meaner than uh, Trump supporters were to me. I'm just being honest when I was supporting Bernie. Um I mean, um, well, that's. Uh, I'm really sorry that you have to really go through all that. And <laughs> it's then... all good. there's some good good ones too, for sure. But I, I noticed that I, it's a it's a crab in a bucket mentality, though. It's kind of like a drag everyone to the bottom, as mm -hmm. uh, Dave Rubin calls it, the oppression Olympics. The you oppression know, Olympics, <laughs> yeah. I love that term because exactly. it's like we we want to help social justice, human rights, but at a certain point, yeah. you're, you're doing too much. Yeah, I'm glad at least I have some victim cards. You know, like uh, <laughs> I'm an immigrant and I'm brown and I'm a Muslim. So yeah. okay, you're a guy though, so yeah. you're you're gonna lose. In the end, sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah. Uh, regarding Bernie Sanders, again, I don't want mean. I don't mean any disrespect, but he uh, has really taken our next generation into this fancy uh, fantasy land where there are like unicorns, you know, and rainbows. <laughs> and he reminds me of my uncle, who would <laughs> buy us I free ice cream. Okay, like oh, le uh, let's go out and let me get you buy buy you an ice cream, and everybody's so happy, without telling us that he has borrowed money from my own father. <laughs> so my dad would be telling me, how was the ice cream? I was like, how do you know that we went out with uncle and we bought the ice wow. cream? Because he got the money from me. <laughs> so, Bernie, you got some explaining to do. This so chocolate he, chip is not from you, bro. So there's nothing free in this world, okay? And then uh, the other cons uh, way to really dispel this notion, like, okay, give us the money and we'll take care of you, is basically you're telling the people, like, you're stupid enough, you're just dumb enough that you don't even know when and where to spend your own money. 
the best way to spend the money is to give everybody their own money and have them keep it and retain it. Freedom. Then, <laughs> oh, no. oh my God. I'm that's free a, to make my own decisions. That's, that's a racist. <laughs> you just said freedom. I'm free to make my own decisions and I have more money to do so because I didn't get 60% of my pay cut tax. Uh, no, no. So scary. Now your white privilege is kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so speaking of um, uh, this uh, privilege thing, you know, so yeah, we did touch that a little bit. So, um, when I heard about this thing, like white privilege, I was like so surprised. Like, okay, this thing really does exist, and uh, like, it, it, does that thing really exist? And if it exists, does it exist for everybody? Because like, I had extremely poor white patients in uh, in Midwest where I was living, and they didn't have money to buy uh, their meals, you know, and their medications. And then totally. there are a lot of poor people, which I do agree that we need to help them out, and uh, we need to help them out. Uh, by uh, local uh, government, uh, government and the state and donations and charity. And, and, and I do agree that to some extent we need to provide some sort of a safety net to those people who are li really living on the edge. But on the other hand, I also want to encourage these same people to, um, uh, to really lift themselves up, you know, because mm. the only way you can help them out is to bring them out of that poverty, you know, by showing them the light. But anyway, uh, what I'm just saying is like those people who didn't have those resources and yeah. and I was like, oh, why don't they go and use their privilege and then get the medication and go. I mean, and then people wonder why Trump won. It's like <laughs> you've got millions of poor people who can barely pay rent and you're, you're telling them that they uh, basically, they are privileged. yeah, they, are they privileged. killed the Native Americans and founded America. And they're like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I came from Ireland, you know, like I've been broke my whole life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I almost find, in unpopular opinion, um, not that I care, mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm a go-getter achiever, but I find that it's actually the opposite because when, you, when you're when you a woman mm -hmm. and nothing you do is wrong, no matter what you do, and you're always the victim. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just had a Lyft driver on the way here who's telling me, a Latino guy was saying he, his wife was an American woman, not mm -hmm. that their races matter, but I'm sure it did come into play when it came to law enforcement and whatnot. She... Um, you know, said he, like, they got in an argument, they were both cheating on each other, and then she hit herself, and the police came to his work, like, you beat your your girlfriend, and mm -hmm. he never did. She ended up in court crying and admitting she lied or whatever, mm -hmm. so he got off after wasting tens of thousands of dollars on lawyer fees, but it's like, when you're a woman, you win almost every time in court, unless you, you know, unless you cry and tell that you lied. <laughs> uh, and, you know, if you're mm -hmm. a certain person of a certain color it's hot right now so it's like mm -hmm. your opinion matters more and if, you know the whiter you are it's mm -hmm. like I, I feel bad mm -hmm. you know i'm a little darker when the, the sun comes out i'm part puerto rican italian polish so you know <laughs> i do well but now nah, all jokes aside if you're like an irish you know blonde hair blue eyed it's like nothing you say matters everything you say is oppressive to me it's the opposite it's like you have less privileges now because everyone's playing this privilege game once again the yeah, see from the left. I, I have more everything. I have more privilege in summer and I have less privilege in winter, you know, because my skin color just fluctuates with the weather. Yeah, it depends where you go. You're like, am I on top or am I on the bottom? Yep. So, yeah, I mean, this is a, a very important point that you brought up. And then this this statement that uh, colored people are sometimes like people like the, uh, the you, you hear it from coming from uh, some of the black political commentators like, Oh, the the black people or the colored people cannot be racist because they do not have the institutional power and all that it's nonsense. Crazy. Millions and of people like, believe that. 
and people really believe that and i'm like are, what are you talking about color this is the definition of racism this statement itself is the definition of uh, racism all you that, have to do is that, travel anywhere to go to mexico and i mean they're a lot mean they just recently um put the consensus of having black people like they didn't even recognize their black community mm -hmm. until the last year i mean that's some that's some real wild stuff and I mean, the, to only think, uh, of course, there's racism that exists here. I, I don't knock it, but to say that you can't possibly be racist, what could possibly be more ra racist than, than, this, than that? This. Then, then you could do whatever you want and yeah. say anything, and it's not wrong. That's om that's American privilege because if you're in mm -hmm. other countries, you realize that that's nothing. You so just now said it is, is true. one of the most easiest things to do in this country is to call a white person racist and walk away without any consequences. But if you do the opposite thing, like a white person does that to a colored person, oh, that person will be lynched by the media, by the community, by totally. all the activists, you know? And they'll, they'll so, do any, like if you're just like LGBT activist, it was like she walked up to a cop mm -hmm. and like basically like with a knife and then mm -hmm. the cop shot her after telling her to walk away five times. Then they were like, she's a hero and that was so great. I'm like, you're telling people to walk at a cop with a mm -hmm. knife. Do cops make mistakes? Absolutely. Are there corrupt power tripping cops? Mm -hmm. Totally. Should you walk at a police with a knife and then act like it's his fault? Like mm -hmm. at a certain point, we need to take accountability because mm -hmm. once again, now you're making police more violent and more, you know, like if we never address our own problems and mm -hmm. blame it all on them, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately, again, um, I supported <laughs> Obama in, in the past two elections, but the reason I started moving from the left to the right is a lot of time because of his policies. And then if I'm a critic of Obama, it does not mean I'm a racist. I'm criticizing his policies, okay? Yeah. Not him as a person. He could be a great dad. He could be a great uh, um, husband, brother, and uh, uh, father figure, and whatever. But uh, if his policies I don't like, then, um, then there's no way that I can be called a racist because of that. And then and I see so many people who start criticizing you just because you're criticize, criticizing Obama, and they will just label you as a racist because you're not supporting this uh, first black president anymore. They, they must do this on purpose because with Obama, they, they've made this whole narrative that doesn't exist. It's why my channel does, it exists and is doing so well because I'm telling the simple truth mm -hmm. and it's not even that objective. They're lying about everything. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, if you disagree with Obama, you're racist. If you like Trump, you're racist. If you don't like Hillary, you're sexist. It's like, what about who they are? That's exactly what Martin Luther King was talking about, the mm -hmm. content of their character. Exactly. I have so many friends. I don't talk about them or brag about them or take selfies all the time, but it's mm -hmm. like I have friends like you that are Muslim. I have friends that are black and you know doing this and that. Mm -hmm. Every race or religion, and I don't care. Mm -hmm. I care who they are. Mm -hmm. If they were black and, and they were a shitty people, I wouldn't mm -hmm. be friends with them. Mm -hmm. But they're good people. Mm -hmm. so, so it's like it, it, that doesn't matter to me at all, but they – they act like they're trying to stop racism mm -hmm. when they're actually the most racist ones. You can't even have a conversation. <laughs> like, oh, there's slave trade in Libya thanks to Hillary and Barack Obama. Are you racist? Am I racist for trying to stop slavery? Like, that's how bad the conversation's <laughs> oh gone. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, the only people talking about it are people on the right. Mm -hmm. People on the left, some people are like, oh, why is this happening? I'm like, because of this stuff you're ignoring because yep, you're calling everyone exactly. else racist. And now we have freaking slavery. So, so this is the thing. Like, we... Uh, so unfortunately, uh, Obama has divided us across racial lines, and then he has divided us even across the religious lines too, and he has divided us uh, along the social status lines. So there are so many things that he has divided us, um, and 
then uh, I have never seen such a division. I mean, when I came uh, to U.S. at that time, George W. Bush was the president, and uh, I didn't like that guy at all because uh, I thought like the war in Iraq was a disaster, and then he started it, and uh, this is all a baloney, the, the uh, weapon of mass destruction. Yeah. So anyway, but then when and and I supported Obama because of his policies. Again, I know so many people, and I was at Harlem at that time. Okay, so I. So, 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 and let me also put this thing out there, okay? Like I have, uh, being a physician, I have touched the lives of so many uh, African Americans and I have helped them out over there. And again, it's not about just the money or career. I really wanted to help those people out. And, and they are amazing and they are extremely skilled, intelligent, smart, and they, they have all the potential uh, in the world to, to be whoever they are and, and to, be, uh, to do whatever they want to. But uh, somehow they've been, uh, or unfortunately the, the community has been kept uh, under this inferiority complex, like, oh, some racist white guy is gonna come over and then, uh, and then let, and, and not let you progress in, or, pers or, 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 uh, or progress in, in life, you know? Yeah. And then, and so, so many people supported Obama because he's a black guy. You know? Yeah. So if you are just supporting someone just because of the color of his skin and, and you're just uh, calling someone else a racist, I mean, this is like a total hypocrisy. You know? And a lot of black conservatives call it the Democratic plantation. And like we said, we're not saying Republicans are perfect. Mm -hmm. We've been critical of George Bush. But it really, they really are the slave masters in disguise as the, the activists. So it's like they're the ones – they give you this mental thing, of course – there, there's things education could be improved. There's, oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. there's there's things that could totally be improved in urban and rural communities mm -hmm. alike. It's they're actually very similar. The country person mm -hmm. and the person in the urban community, same exact people, uh, different consequences, mm -hmm. circumstances. But they they make this idea, they plant in your head that you're inferior, mm -hmm. and it's a exactly. self manifesting process. And even in the rap community, I see it as a hip hop artist. You keep saying these things, and people. You know, what if all the hip hop artists, instead of saying, you know, drugs, money, guns, all this stuff, mm -hmm. were there, and there's many like Nas and even Jay Z and, and whatnot, mm -hmm. but what if you, we educated our people? I, I know the education system's not doing it, so I'm trying to help educate people. Mm -hmm. And But they, they believe this stuff, they mm -hmm. tell people this stuff, they tell them to vote based on race and gender, and yep. uh, that's yep. the racism, that's the sexism, that's the slave master mentality. They really are keeping us down by restricting our minds you have to think you have to be inferior and if you're not inferior mm -hmm. they call you an uncle tom or something it's disgusting and which are which is itself a racial slur of course a Coon, thousand percent uncle tom house n-word you know i so. mean diamond and silk and, and people like candace owens mm -hmm. you know get attacked yeah. very viciously uh, and you know you could be critical of certain things they do and, and policies and whatnot but to just simply call them a slur because mm -hmm. they don't see themselves as oppressed. Mm -hmm. And it's that mindset that got them out of that. And you could start a business. You can actually excel further because conservatives are like foaming at the mouth to find somebody that's not white who thinks like them <laughs> so they can show their friends so people think they're not racist because if they say <laughs> it, they're racist. But if they show a, a, a Muslim person or like a woman or a black woman, they're like, see, like this is what I was saying. And people are like, you're still racist, but I'll consider it. You know, <laughs> Actually, uh, there's uh, another <laughs> sentence that I've been uh, hearing is like, if if you have a white friend, it does not mean you're racist. So, <laughs> so I don't know how far is it gonna go. If you're married to a a, a colored person, it doesn't mean you're. So like, if you are uh, 
if you have a black friend, you're, it does not mean like you're still not racist. If you're married to a colored person, it still does not mean you're not a racist. Yeah. And and then like, so I don't know how far, if you have hybrid kids, it does not mean you're still not a racist. So it's a I don't know how far they're going to go with that. It's an ideology. It's just mm -hmm. like a, a so everything is so backwards. It, it really just feels like my, my first night in Bronx. So uh, when I came to United States in almost uh, 2006, uh, I came to... Uh, like I, I lived at other uh, place first, but then I eventually moved to Bronx. And uh, when I moved to Bronx uh, and my first night, it was winter. Uh, I think it was almost uh, November or December and it got dark pretty early. And I was standing alone on my own with my loaded uh, bags and, uh, and luggage. And I was standing over there and I was like looking like a stranger even from far off you can say like okay this guy's a stranger he's new in town because the way he's looking around he's never been he's never been here in this place so a black woman a very nice lady she came to me and she told me hey young man uh, what are you doing over here and i'm like well i am here uh trying to find an address where i'm supposed to go and i don't know where to go and she told me you're not supposed to be here standing at this time of the hour uh, it's not safe for you and if you know Bronx, Bronx is a very diverse community, okay? It's full of colored people. There's n I don't think there's any white supremacists over there, okay? And this black lady is warning me of, I believe, other fellow colored people to not to be standing over there. I chill in Brooklyn, um, you know, in Bed-Stuy, and every time I go to the bodega, mm -hmm. you have an African-American person just screaming racial stuff a lot of times to mm -hmm. the... Um, you know, oftentimes Indian or Middle Eastern store owner mm -hmm. being incredibly racist. Like I've seen it multiple times. I've been threatened. The, Someone said they were going to shoot me <laughs> just for literally staying. I didn't even do anything. The only time I've been called a sand N word yeah. <laughs> is by the, the colored people. Okay, it's they're by very, the, by, they're the, very by the black people. Not, obviously, not everyone. I have a lot of good no, people I mean, over there. Like but like, like it's I said, not, the racism is not non-existent. Just like crime is not. I mean, you talk about how many, you know black on black murders there mm -hmm. are we care about black people we care about african-americans we care about people in libya it's the left who doesn't want to address the fact that a lot of these are happening mm -hmm. within the, the community exactly and the best way you can harm a community or harm anybody is to ignore the problem they are having because totally. that problem is not going to go away because you're turning your head away that problem is going to grow and then it's going to eventually come and haunt you and at that time it will be really late for you so I think, um, and, and this is uh, when, I, when I talk about Obama, the, the thing which I really feel is that Obama got away from the criticism, from the deserving criticism from the black community and from the Muslim community. Somehow he's been regarded as sort of a messiah or savior. But on the other hand, I think this guy has done more damage to the Muslim community than anybody else because he has, uh, instead of, raising an army of reformists which we see now popping up under trump yeah he has raised an army of apologists mm. those excusers who would give any excuse to divert your attention from the main problem from the cancer and then tell you oh there's nothing wrong or, or look at the christian community look at the uh, the, the christian radicals look at these radicals and yeah. that radicals but forget about your own radicals so uh, so he has done that then he has uh, uh killed several innocent people through drone attacks okay he has uh 
Uh, and he's been told multiple times that th this is counterproductive, it's not helping, it's actually perpetuating the extremism. Because if you kill some innocent person, just like, that's why I was against George W. Bush uh, uh, because of his Iraq invasion, that if you kill some innocent person, then he's gonna do something in retaliation. So, uh, so the- I mean, all those drone strikes too, not saying you should have them, but mm -hmm. ISIS was flourishing under Obama. It's not an opinion, it's a fact. They were flourishing, they were go They took over Iraq, they took over Syria. Uh, Syria. They were, like you said, they Libya. made it to the Philippines, or Libya, <laughs> there's slave trade now, there's organ harvesting there. Trump gets into office and they're, they're almost completely eradicated. Last mm -hmm. week, two weeks ago, Business Insider put out mm -hmm. an article Syria and Iraq, ISIS is almost completely gone. You don't hear anything about it. This is, cra this it is crazy. It seems like times. the left is upset that Obama's legacy, ISIS, is has been eradicated. Has They're been more concerned with fighting Trump and, and supporting Obama than they are. They don't care about slavery. They don't care about organ harvesting. Mm. They don't care about ISIS. That's all the news talked about during uh, Obama's. They had everyone scared of ISIS. You turn on CNN, they're talking about it 24-7. Now they, they don't even mention it because it's completely this gone. This guy funded those uh, moderate rebels, totally. which turned out to be al-Nusra, remnants of al-Qaeda, and then ISIS. And nobody really cares about that. And then when I asked my Muslim community over and over again, where was your criticism at that time? And where yeah. is your criticism even now right now? You're just offended by Trump's one sentence. Oh, I'm gonna ban Muslims. Okay, I'm also <laughs> offended. I, I don't like that. But he has definitely changed that rhetoric and he has uh, gone from that to something much better. Now he's reaching out to the Muslim communities. He uh, uh, like he went to Saudi Arabia. He even praised Pakistan as well for uh, their cooperation. So and then another thing, he got American Muslim. Her name is I think Aya Hijazi or something. Yeah. E Egyptian American yeah. uh, Muslim Egyptian from the Egyptian jail along with her husband and some other uh, fellow Muslims. And you still call him an Islamophobe and you still call him an anti-Muslim He's wild with the words, but actions, he's the real deal. And I think uh, people like you should be on Ben Shapiro, should be on these major networks and get to that level because it's having a conversation with mm -hmm. someone like you of the religion that shows love to the religion without being blasphemous or hateful that will change his rhetoric for the better make him realize because a lot of people are scared uh when you have all this stuff going mm -hmm. on in other countries mm -hmm. the average americans scared they might not be right about a lot but they're nervous so making them feel Even, more comfortable then then mm -hmm. you make them less racist or bigoted mm -hmm. when they realize the truth and when they realize the love is there mm -hmm. but if you keep yelling at them meanwhile the the problem overseas is getting worse and worse mm -hmm. i mean w of course the alt-right is going to be a bigger thing because you're justifying what they're saying mm -hmm. by your idiocracy and and if you look at this uh whenever the right sees like okay there's a fringe in their, um, okay, first of all, I don't even really consider alt-right as really typical conservatives or part of the conservative movement. They are like totally something different and they're like right now homeless. They're like looking for some platform for importance for- Is this an earthquake or is someone coming in the building? You feel that? Oh, it's checks. okay. I thought it was an earthquake, get that moment on camera. <laughs> no, thank God. Like we're okay. It would have been cool though. I would be like, try to get a viral video out of it. Be like, whoa, earthquake! <laughs> Mondo, you get that? <laughs> oh, good. Okay, so, uh, so yeah, I'm glad we are not having anything like that. So, um, otherwise, like yeah, you keep on hearing these disasters and it's like just this fire, you know. Yeah. It's so I hope it gets, it gets better. So anyway, so uh, I was talking about the alt right. So the alt right or even. Uh, 
if you go further f far right is like neo-nazis and uh, all these other extremists i haven't seen anybody on the right or the conservative side supporting yeah. them i mean they denounce yeah. them vehemently they it's only them. richard spencer you almost feel like he's a he's a ploy because it's like he's on all the shows and oh yeah like, he's getting the all the coverage he's getting all the importance and then who's providing that coverage and importance to him the left-wing media because to i saw them, him he's talk like to charles child. barkley and it's like the the ignorant stuff he was saying to charles barkley you almost think he's a he's a setup agent or something because it's like he goes there and everyone's like, look at that he's, guy. He's, he's so no, scripted, you know. He's no like, one likes him on the right. Everyone hates him because he ruins it for everyone. Yep. But the thing is, like, we are very clear about uh, his criticism and denouncing him, and we don't want his support, his votes, or anything to do with that. But on the other hand, if you look at the left, the left really marvel and glorify people like Antifa, which yeah. is another hate group on the left side. And it took them a long time just to even start criticizing them. And before that, they were like, oh, they are actually the vigilantes. They are the ones which are fi uh, fighting for the soul of America. And Tim Kaine's son got arrested. The almost vice president of the United States son was <laughs> in that group. So stuff, stuff like that we've been hearing. So that's the thing when, my, when I see like, okay, if you really want to hold moral high grounds, why don't you just come out and denounce your extremists, okay? You expect us to do that we are doing it because we have nothing to do with extremism if if people uh, uh any if uh, any person we see uh is really going to that uh extreme ideology or becoming radical we absolutely have nothing to do with that person and we denounce uh, that person and we want that person to change his point of view otherwise he is not uh, going to be a part of our movement. And the, but, and it's the left that, I, like, I, people always, oh, you're, you're biased and you're slanted. It's because, one, the coverage on Trump is, like, 93% negative and it's 93% mm -hmm. wrong. And, uh, two, it's the left that's ruining everything. I mean, if the right had all the media and they were, it's the left that boosts up the terrible people on the mm -hmm. left, won't have a conversation, yep. and then they boost up the bad people on the right. Exactly. They, get, they gave Richard Spencer a platform. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, when he speaks... Like, you got to desert the truth from the lie. Like, if Linda Sarsour, I might not be a big fan of her, or like Rachel Maddow, mm -hmm. but if she says, I like water, and I like water, I'm not going to oppose it just to oppose her. Like, if Richard Spencer <laughs> says something yeah. that's true, like, mm -hmm. when it comes to foreign policy, mm -hmm. he's actually less of a war hawk mm -hmm. than a lot of these left-leaning people. Mm -hmm. But when, he, when it comes to social issues, and he starts talking reckless and ignorant mm -hmm. on Charles Barkley, and it mm -hmm. offends my country and, and people who live here, mm -hmm. then I think he's disgusting. But it's like... Have a comment. Beat him with a fact. It's like ugh, everything. It's like mm -hmm. not everything everyone says is like, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. And mm -hmm. Richard Spencer, albeit he's very one-sided, he's mm -hmm. not a stupid guy. So you're gonna have to beat him with intelligence. Now mm -hmm. here's all this coverage, mm -hmm. and here look, let's make you a star. It's like yeah. they ruin everything. And they're punching him in the face. I mean, why do you really have to punch him in the face when you can really beat this guy up in a debate? You know. Because so a, a lot of them can't beat him in a debate. It's exactly. not. It's not that he's that problem, good. Yeah. But it's the same reason why Trump won. Not they're not comparable at all. Mm -hmm. But you want to make fun of this guy and beat him up all, all over the press. But you can't be better than him. It's like mm -hmm. I could beat Richard Spencer in a debate because mm -hmm. I could see the things he's talking about. Like, okay, I feel what you're saying, but no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Probably make him look really dumb. But exactly. you make him look smarter by being like, Duh, and then he says something, and it's like a cohesive word, and then. 
you know, next thing you know, it's got a million views on YouTube and it's all over NBC. It's like you're making him famous and you're you're growing his audience because you're being dumber than him, which is pretty hard and, to do. And you punch him in the face and then you go violent against his supporters and that really make him look like a victim. And you guys, exactly. as an that's what I'm saying. It's like I'm, I'm ready so, to. And, and then the other thing is like, OK, they keep on asking Trump to denounce them. Trump has denounced KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists. For years, ever since his campaign has started, he has been doing it vehemently over and over and over again. If a new Nazi s just sneezes, you know, and they're like, okay, have you denounced the sneeze? You know, and like Trump has to do that again. They're so building it because it's part of their agenda. No one absolutely. talked about it the last Where 10 years. is Obama denouncing radical Islamic terrorism? I'm still waiting for him to say that, okay? Where is Obama denouncing black supremacy in the form of? Uh, new Black Panther Party in the mm. form of because that guy who killed multiple Dallas police cops. Yeah, he was a black supremacist. Absolutely. Okay, and then Obama was just like so easily downplayed that part. Oh, we cannot really base the whole movement based on one individual. Yeah, fine. We are not saying like the entire Black Lives Matter movement is like that. I'm not saying that at all. But there are some radical uh, elements that have infiltrated that movement, and that's why that movement has lost the real goal which they were seeking. And that guy was clearly a black supremacist. So mm. I want the uh, den uh, the denouncement from Obama for, for that. But, Absolutely. But you want to uh, hear the media crying over that and uh, asking Obama the same question because this is does not really fit their agenda. The media is so bad. They they flip everything. The left is blowing everything out of proportion, making their enemies more famous while making their policies more dumb. Uh, we could talk about it for a while, but is there anything else you wanted to add? Because I think it's been an amazing conversation. I know. I, it's just like you're one of the uh, coolest people I met this year on point with everything when it comes to policy and, uh, you know, lifestyle and just stuff. You know, I'm really glad you came on. I think it's going to be one of the best podcasts thus far. Thank you very much. I really feel that um, uh, what you're doing is amazing and uh, it requires a lot of courage and audacity to come out and speak the truth. And I really wish you all the best, and I hope and pray that you can keep on doing that. Um, one thing uh, which I would really admire you is that you have really came up with the counter-narrative that the media is pushing. And I think we should close our conversation by uh, talking about the media. And out of whatever has happened in the past few years, or maybe in the past uh, eight years or so, uh, the only institution that has lost total credibility in my eyes is the media. So it's not even Obama, it's not Hillary, it's not Congress, it's not White House, it's not our ju ju judicial system, it's not the American public, but the only institution that has lost total credibility in my eyes is the American media. And, uh, and I'm seeing that, saying that because they, uh, what I've seen is like these people are not reporting. They're not even giving you an opinion. They're basically character assassinating their opponents. Mm. And they're doing it in a very systematic way in a very organized way. Mm. They are like kind of a, like they're like assassins, but like, like a PR, the, the, the PR character assassins. Yeah. assassins, yeah. And then this uh, stuff that you wanna talk, like nowadays we talked about this, the sexual harassment um, allegations that are coming out um, and they're just pouring out. Um, I am just gonna touch them briefly, and especially uh, in regards to uh, Trump and then also right now uh, the Alabama s Senator uh, Moore so I, I'm not blaming or uh, saying that these uh, accusers are liars or they are uh, telling uh, something wrong or they should not have done that. I think uh, I am keeping them totally on the side. Uh, what they are saying uh, that has yet to be substantiated, 
so uh, I'm not uh, gonna say anything about that. Um, and but what I'm gonna say about the media is that uh, uh, the excess Hollywood tape about Trump. There are two plausible theories. So first of all, that the theory uh, that uh, the tape is uh, the tape is, tape is genuine. I mean, he said stuff like that. Okay. So, but like, did he really went further and did practically something like that or not? Yeah. So let's suppose he did that. Okay. Let's suppose everything he said actually happened and those accusers are absolutely right. Let's start from there. It means that this liberal Hollywood media was sitting on that tape for 11 years. Wow. That's a good point. And they never reported that tape till they realized that this guy may end up winning the presidency of the United States. And they waited till the last second. Like the last a, second. That's such a good point. Wow, I never <laughs> thought about that. So that's true. If, if it really is as bad as they said it they was, are the they, complicit. they sat on it for 11 years, and then they sat on it for two years during the campaign Absolutely. to wait for Wow, what a good point. So I it never means, even thought about it that. Means, that's terrible. It means if this is all true, they defended a sex offender. They defended whoever wow. they call him right now. They are part of the problem. Such a good point. And, and these people scum. Exactly. Scum. And so they did not even say that when he became the Republican nominee. They didn't even say that on the very first day he he announced his president his candidacy. Wow, that's such a good point. So the, wow. uh, that that one and exactly the same thing is happening with Roy Moore. You think if Trump, years. you think you think if Trump had no, it's almost forty years actually. Like for for Roy Moore, it's forty years. So if you think if Trump had not won the, uh, can, can, uh, had not won the nomination, they this, never would have done that. The, the strip would have come out almost Absolutely. never. Of course, same not. thing with Roy Moore. If Roy Moore had not been so close to winning the Alabama Senate seat, this these allegations or these accusers would have never ever come out. Uh, again, the same. Uh, thing which we can apply for Roy Moore is that he ran a very competitive uh, campaign in the primaries. Okay, and that's it's always anti-establishment candidates, not Republicans. They say, "Oh, mm-hmm. he's a Republican." No, he's an anti-Republican. Anti-Republican establishment because, exactly. like, the very first, the, when Trump says, uh, "Drain the swamp," the very first thing he needs to drain is the Republican establishment. And he knows that, and so does Roy Moore. That's why they're trying to stop him. And, and they found out this morning. They, she forged. She the, forged the. <laughs> oh, I just, I just edited it, but it's still mm-hmm. real. If it's real, you don't. Re, no one of any credibility. Exactly. You don't write on the evidence and say, "Oh, but it's real." I just wrote part of it. <laughs> it yep. ruins your whole argument. Like, but, I mean, ugh, I could go. No, on no, no one can say how much is forged and how much is real. Yeah, but okay. If I have a, a document mm-hmm. and I write all over it and put a date on it, mm-hmm. I would expect my whole credibility to be ruined about it because I just exactly. oh, it's an artifact. It's it's Egyptian, but I just drew a p- picture in the corner. <laughs> like that's why she was not handing it over for the forensic uh, testing. But anyway, like I said, I'm not gonna blame the accusers and I'm not gonna say that they are lying. Uh, I'm. Uh, during this whole argument about the you're just saying they should have done it earlier to help these women absolutely yeah because okay so i'm from that part of the world where if unfortunately a girl gets raped the entire family society and community blames her okay and they are the uh, ones who says like oh it's your fault yeah that it happened to you okay in america and i know yes it's not that easy and a lot of times there's a lot of social uh uh, social pressure and uh, it's, it's not that easy but still in America where you have this power of media and then you have so many people that you can find who can who can empower you to bring your message out 
you you should have come out earlier you know and again i'm not uh, have i have not been in your shoes so yeah. uh, i'm not going to say anything um to really blame you for that but again i i think 40 years is a very very long time um it loses credibility if this if these allegations if they're true and credible had come out sooner that would have saved a lot of people and in, in other countries too like pakistan correct me if i'm wrong but there's like real i'm not saying but real rape where like you just kind of get swiped out the street and just you know actually raped and i'm sure that happens here too but you know i, I talked to a woman out here that was saying uh, the me too campaign is kind of confusing for girls because they, they get them with the branding mm -hmm. so they're trying to like brainwash women and think oh me too me too me too mm -hmm. and like i have a friend that's like i've slept with some people maybe i didn't want to sleep with but like, i've never been raped i just <laughs> you know i like slept with them and like maybe made a mm -hmm. mistake maybe they were a little aggressive mm -hmm. and i kind of gave in mm -hmm. but like I, she was like i've never been raped and mm -hmm. I, I know some bad people but she was like i also mm -hmm. know women mm -hmm. with boyfriends mm -hmm. in college who got drunk Mm -hmm. slept with a guy, mm -hmm. regretted it because they had a boyfriend, mm -hmm. and then said they raved him, and the kid got kicked out of school because they yep. slept with him. And, and they say, oh, but if she's drunk and you're drunk, then it's your fault. It's like... Why is the guy's fault all the time? That's what I'm... I almost feel like it's the opposite. Like, if if something... If I, if a girl slaps herself, mm -hmm. goes to a cop and say, I hit her, I'm mm -hmm. probably going to lose. Like, you know, no matter of what really happened. And I've had it almost happen to and me. And then I've, they have I, to register as, as sex offender for the rest of their lives. It's cr I mean, so... so it's so like in, in to Pakistan, really help women, we mm -hmm. have to get to the bottom of the truth. And I think this campaign unfortunately mm -hmm. while it's disguised as helping women and i think it is helping women i mm -hmm. think if you're doing something in the workplace mm -hmm. that's like very abusive power wise i think it's making people think twice so i, I do think it's great um but I, I do think it's once again the kind of a psyops to not help women because the thousands of women getting raped and sexually abused and mm -hmm. harassed once again the, the big bombshell story is not about them they always find a way to yep. to hide the real oppression so first of all in in pakistan in usually the big cities um this is not really uh, an epidemic or something not like that, that. Yeah. but in rural areas, uh, in villages, um, and in uh, the areas which are not that much advanced, things like that happen, and unfortunately, it's the victim. I mean, whenever it happens, so it's, it's not really uh, an epidemic, I believe, but like whenever it happens, unfortunately, it's the victim who ends up taking the blame, not the people who actually commit that. So, I mean, now uh, th that thing has to really make a big news out of it, uh, only that time like uh, it will be noticed and then uh, people will be like okay we want justice but a lot of time it's such a big stigma for the family that uh, they just want to express it and and bring it down but again i i know some sort of such sort of uh, similar situation can uh, like the women would be facing the same sort of scenario and circumstances over here as well but still this is america you have the freedom of speech you have the freedom of press you have the freedom of, of expression you need to come out and and say that these uh, these sexual harassers and offenders yeah. they committed something heinous and that they need to uh, absolutely and the justice should be served. It's just that that's what I'm worried about because mm -hmm. people misconstrue it as always they misconstrue everything I say. Not most people show love, but it's like I don't want the lines to be blurred because once you blur the lines, when mm -hmm. everything's racist, mm -hmm. now real racism goes unnoticed. When everything's <laughs> yeah, sexism, exactly. real sexism, and when everything's mm -hmm. sexual assault, when it's not. The yep. real sexual assault that does happen every day goes unnoticed. So we exactly. can't ruin it. We can't blur the lines. We have same, to lay down the law. Same thing with the hate crimes. I mean, so many people have fabricated it. And uh, and like I mentioned before, like the hate crimes, unfortunately, against the Muslim community have raised. But on the other hand, there are some 
fabricated hate crimes. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've heard that people like drawing and then like drew a Nazi sign, and it was some black exactly. Dude. So and then the the veil got pulled, and then actually the girl was uh, it happened in New York. The girl was out uh, for late hours, and then uh, she couldn't explain why she wanted to stay out. Actually, she was getting drunk and was on a party, and then yeah. she told her parents like, okay, some racist Trump supporters they pulled her. Uh, and it was veil. a fake story. It was a fake story. That's the type of stuff that makes people more hateful. Why would you do so, that? So so and, and at that time, our community needs to come out and say like okay you're diminishing the credibility of the actual hate crimes that are happening against our community Absolutely. so we denounce you and we denounce your fabricated hate crime yeah. and uh, uh, so that the people do not uh, think like we're just only uh, crying only when there's a hate crime but when there's a fabrication of that then at that time we're not denouncing it so absolutely the, the fakeness breeds more extremism the lies breed more war and more division but I think it's conversations like this to wrap it up that break the echo chamber mm -hmm. and show the left some things that they desperately need to hear and also show the right some mm -hmm. things that they're not hearing because the conversation has been so skewed. So yep. thank you so much for joining. Wakas Khan, legendary physician, human being, human rights activist, Muslim reformer, and all around just great person. Thank you very much, Anomaly, for having me. Absolutely. And looking forward to do it maybe one more time later. <laughs> this was another, we'll get, we'll get you back on. This is a Rare Talk podcast. Also, we've got to get some content out of you. It's, it's, a, it's a star. We're trying to make stars out here. Everybody <laughs> could be a star because, you know, the people on TV are so bad. The real stars are in our own communities. So truth, love, knowledge, wisdom, break the echo chamber. Rare Talk.